We're in the process of studying from the New Testament book of Colossians, and our passage today is Colossians 1, verse 15 through 23. You've been sitting for a while, so let me ask you to stand, give you a chance to stretch your body and uh, rest in that way, and let's give our full attention to God's Word. Colossians 1, starting at verse 13. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight, without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I want to tell you two things today about Jesus Christ. Two things. Jesus Christ is great, and Jesus Christ is good. We'll we'll start with his greatness, and by greatness I mean his immensity, his majesty, his, his absolute supremacy over everything. In, in 1972, the scientists at NASA made a small space probe. It was about the size of a compact car. They mounted this space probe onto a rocket and they launched it out of the Earth's atmosphere. The, the probe was called Pioneer 10. Pioneer 10 flew through a dangerous asteroid belt. It crossed the orbit of Mars, and then it zoomed past the planet of Jupiter, where its job was to take pictures of that mysterious planet and then transmit those pictures back to Earth. The pictures were taken, the transmission was received, mission accomplished. The the problem was there was no way to make Pioneer 10 stop. There was no way to turn it around. It was just out there in in deep space. There's no gravity. There's nothing to slow it down. So it just just kept going, just kept shooting off into space. It went past Jupiter. It crossed the orbit of Saturn. It crossed the uh, orbit of Uranus. It crossed the orbit of Neptune. And then Pioneer 10 just left our solar system. Um, we lost contact with 
uh, Pioneer 10 in January of 2003, but as far as we know, it's still out there, just zooming through deep space at 27,000 miles an hour. They estimate that Pioneer 10 is now 12 billion miles away from us. That means it's 13 times farther away from us than we are from the sun. And, it's, and there's nothing that's gonna stop it, it's just out there, zooming through space. I, I want us to get a sense of how big the universe is. If, if unimpeded by any kind of obstacle, and if, the Lord, and if the Lord permits, traveling at the rate it's going, Pioneer 10 will not get near another star for 90,000 years. It will, it will sail past 10 stars in the next 10 million years, and then, listen, 5 billion years from now, it will still be traveling within the confines of our galaxy, the, the Milky Way. It will not have left our galaxy yet. And guys, the Hubble telescope, they've seen over a hundred billion galaxies out there. And they don't, that's not even the end. They think there might easily be twice that many. Just, so just think about how big the universe is. Now let's talk about the greatness of Christ. Colossians 1 verse 16 says, all things were created in Him, through Him. The entire universe came into existence through the agency of Jesus Christ. As, as the creator of all things, Jesus Christ is the rightful ruler of all things. He rules over everything. Verse 15 says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Listen, in the Bible, the title firstborn, it's not really about age, it's not really about birth order. The title firstborn was a designation of rank. The, uh, the uh, firstborn son in a family is the son appointed by the father to have authority over the family estate. The, the firstborn son of a farmer had authority over the farm. The firstborn son of a baker had a, authority over the bakery. The firstborn son of a king had authority over the kingdom. The firstborn son of God has authority over everything. What did Jesus say at the end of Matthew 28 after his resurrection? He said to his disciples, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority. Jesus Christ is the ruler of everything. The, uh, the Dutch theologian Abraham Kuyper famously said this. He said, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry out, mine. Jesus Christ rightfully points to every atom in the universe and says, that's mine. I own it. I made it. I rule it. It's mine. He, Christ is the ruler of everything and he's also the reason 
for everything. Did you notice here that we, we read not only that all things were created through Christ, the end of verse 16 says that all things were created for Christ. Verse 16 says this, for in Him, that is in the Son, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. In other words, the entire universe exists for the pleasure and glory of Jesus. Every galaxy, every star, every planet, every mountain, every ocean, every forest, every tree, every bird, every horse, every whale, every cat and dog, every woman and man, every angel in heaven, every demon in hell, it all exists for one reason. And one reason only to magnify the greatness of Christ. He's the ruler of all things. He is the reason for all things. And verse 17 says, he is the sustainer of all things. We heard that in that beautiful song that was just sung for us. Verse 17 says, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. In Him, all things hold together. In other words, we are dependent on Him. Right? We're not autonomous beings. Our, our ongoing existence is contingent on, on Christ's sustaining will. We, we exist because He wants us to exist. Because He wills us to exist. Hebrews 1 verse uh, 3 said the same thing. It says the Son sustains all things by His word of power. Those of you who are on Facebook, I wonder if you've ever received a, a, a friend request on Facebook from uh, someone from your past. You know, from the back in the day. For me, back in the day is a long time. I'll get sometimes... Um, Facebook friend request from someone from college, which I started college 40 years ago. So it was a long time ago. And, and, and I'll look at the picture and I'll look at the name and I'll say, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. I haven't thought of him in years. And look at this. He's, he's married. He's got kids. He's got grandchildren. Isn't that, a, isn't that amazing? I haven't thought of him. And yet he's gone on living. Isn't that weird? Other people don't cease to exist just because we stop thinking about them. That's not true with Jesus Christ. If Christ were to stop thinking about us for even a second, we wouldn't be here anymore. He, he is holding all things together. He is sustaining everything. You and I exist because Christ is willing us to exist. So in, in other words, apparently what's said about, what is said about God the Father in Acts chapter 17 also applies to God the Son. In Him, we live and move and have our being. We exist in Him. Paul goes on in verse 18. He is the head of the body, the church. You ever want to know who's in charge in the church? Through the ages, through the centuries, for the rest of eternity, Jesus Christ is. 
It says he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. I love the way Eugene Peterson in his, his paraphrase of the Bible called the message, I love the way he worded the last part of that verse. He put it this way. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there towering far above everything, far above everyone. Verse 19 says, what a verse. Verse 19 says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. If you think about it, that's mind-blowing. Some of you perhaps know the story from the Old Testament, that time when King Solomon, he, he constructed a temple in Jerusalem for, for the Lord to be worshipped. And, and after they built the temple and they dedicated the temple, we read that the glory of the Lord filled the temple, filled every every corner of it just to overflowing to the point that the priests had to run out of the temple. They couldn't stay there anymore to perform their duties. And when that happened, we, we read that Solomon realized how silly it was for him to think that he could actually construct a building that would be big enough to contain the presence of God. In fact, in, in 2 Chronicles 6, 18, Solomon said this. He said, will God really dwell on earth with humans? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you. How much less this temple that I have built. In other words, the entire universe is too small for the fullness of God to fit into it. And yet, about the sun, we read here, that all the fullness of God dwells in Him. What could not fit in the universe dwells in Him. Paul, Paul returns to that thought in the next chapter, chapter 2, verse 9, letting us know he's not merely talking about Christ's divine nature, but he's talking about even in his physical or human nature. He says, for in Christ... All the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. In his incarnation, Jesus Christ is 100% human and 100% God. Hey, no, listen, no wonder the winds and waves obeyed him, right? No, no, no wonder disease and death submitted to his command. No wonder um, blind eyes were opened the, the, when he told them to start seeing. No wonder deaf ears could hear and, and, and uh, lame legs could run and limp limbs were suddenly filled with power. The second Jesus bid them be whole. No, no wonder demons shrieked with fear when Jesus walked into the room. God was pleased to have all his fullness well in him. So do, do you see what I mean when I say that Jesus Christ is great? That word isn't even big enough for it to describe him. Great beyond all praising. And he's also good. 
I mean, he is so good, and by good, I mean he is kind, he is loving, he is merciful, he is gracious, he is compassionate. Uh, let, let's move on. Verse 21 says this, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior, or you could translate that as shown by your evil behavior. It says, once you were God's enemies. All of us, that describes us by nature. We are God's enemies. I wonder, I wonder if you could name anyone whom, uh, listen, because of their power, you would not want to have them as an enemy. Is there anyone like that? For example, I would not want the United States Marine Corps to view me as an enemy. All right, they would wipe me out. I would, want, I would not want some drug cartel or some you know, organized crime family to consider David Ellis their enemy. Right? I, wouldn't, I wouldn't stand a chance. Those entities are so much more powerful than I am, right? But listen, all the power of all the armies, of all the nations, that have existed throughout the history of the entire world, all that power is Nothing. It's not the one flap of a butterfly's wing. It's nothing compared to the power of God. We were God's enemies because of our sins. When I, listen, when our first parents, Adam and Eve, when they rebelled against the Creator as a race, we declared war on God. Would you agree that was a stupid thing to do? I mean, pick a fight. With him? He, he could have wiped us out immediately. He would have been justified to have wiped us out immediately. We deserved his wrath. So verse 21 says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your death and behavior. You want to know how good Jesus is? Look at verse 22. But now God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from, from accusation. God has reconciled you, believer, through Jesus. That word reconcile, it, it means to restore peace. The war is over. There's no, no more enemy with God. The, en the enmity is gone. The, the, the word reconcile means to heal a relationship. It means, it means to bring back to a former state of harmony. And this is what, believer, this is what God did for you through Jesus. So just, you know, how, how in the world, how would you ever measure that kind of love? Christian, listen to me. God, the eternal Son, the one through whom and for whom everything was created. God, the eternal Son, the one in whom all things hold together. God, the eternal Son, the one who has absolute supremacy over all things, out of love for you, took on human flesh and died on a cross so you could be reconciled to God, so that the war could end and you could come home again. I hope you hear me tell you, he really, really loves you. So he is so good. 
It says, now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Verse 23, if you continue in your faith, established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. There's a condition on that promise, isn't there? It says, you are without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith. I love that. I love that. I'll tell you why. Aren't you glad? Aren't you so glad the apostle did not say you are without blemish and free from accusation if you don't sin anymore. Just don't blow it. Or you, you know, you're, you're without accusation. If you never have any struggles, you never have any doubts, then you're gold, all right? But if you do, huh, you're in trouble. Or aren't you glad he didn't say you are without blemish and free from accusation if you just Start doing lots and lots and lots of good works for the Lord to show that you deserve to be in His family. He doesn't say that. He says, he says, you are, believer, He says, you are without blemish and free from accusation. If you just keep trusting Jesus, just continue in your faith, just keep trusting Jesus. Don't move from the hope that's held out for you in the gospel. In other words, I think what Paul is saying, believer, is this. He's saying everything that needed to happen for you to be restored to a right relationship with God, everything that needed to happen, happened. It's already done. It happened when Jesus Christ died for you. So he's just saying, just keep trusting him. Just keep, just keep trusting, keep trusting. So let me ask you a question. Wouldn't it, wouldn't, would it not be hard to describe a better savior than that? I don't even think I could invent one in my imagination. Just, the, one, the one for whom everything exists, the one who created the entire universe says, you know what, you declared war on me, but I'm not gonna stop loving you. And if what it takes for, for that war to end is for me to die in your place, he says, I'll do it for you. Oh, he's so good. He's so good. I couldn't describe a better Savior. Let me ask you another question. Is he your Savior? Have, have you started trusting him the way the apostle here is inviting us to trust? Have you done that? There's a, there's a hymn in our, in our hymnal. The words go something like this. In loving kindness, Jesus came, my soul in mercy to reclaim, and from the depths of sin and shame, through grace, he lifted me. He, he called me long before I heard, before my sinful heart was stirred, and when I took him at his word, forgiven, he lifted me. From sinking sand, he lifted me. With tender hand, he lifted me. From the darkest night to the brightest light, oh, praise his name, he lifted me. So my question is, has, have you, has Jesus done that for you? And I want you to hear this. If you just ask him to do that for you, to cleanse you completely, to restore you to God, if you just ask and trust him, he will do it. Maybe today's the day you start trusting him for the very first time. Maybe you've been trusting him for years. And today's one more day where you just say, 
Oh, Lord, I love you so much. Thank you. Thank you. So what do we see in this passage? We see that Jesus Christ, the one in whose name we've gathered today, he is great beyond all praising. We can't even comprehend his greatness. And he is good beyond all telling. He hardly beyond what we could ever describe. And isn't this something all he asks of us? He says, just trust me. Just trust. Would you pray with me?